I really do want to get into the message right away today because I, I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to do something very powerful today, and I believe that he's going to be present. How many of you came for an encounter with Jesus today? You're ready? All right, good, good. Let me, let me say this, just as prefacing this as I get into the heartbeat of this message. For hundreds of years now, the church has centered their services around the teaching of the Word of God. And I don't want to diminish that or take away from that because that is, that is really what Jesus did. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing, the Bible says. But I want you to also remember, though, and this is something significant as we get into this message, is don't forget the presence of God. I don't want to be just another speaker or a preacher for you to hear the Word of God. I want you to have an encounter with the presence of a living God today. Because I know it's, it's, yes, one word from God can change your life, but it takes the presence of God to illuminate that, to bring it as a rhema, a revelation to you, to change your life. So the more we acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit when we come to worship, the more we acknowledge him, the more aware of his presence we will become. And that's what we need in these days, especially in these days. Can I hear an amen? amen. So I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is the gatekeeper to miracles when you think about it. Of course, Jesus said it is better for him to go so he could send us his Holy Spirit. I want to tell you a story today before we really get into the heart of Christmas. I want to tell you a story, a Chris, a story before the Christmas story today. And this is how it goes. There's this man many years ago who was considered a prophet, a messenger of God. His name was Ezekiel. Ezekiel, in his early stages of his ministry, would go and preach to God's people and say, you've got to repent, you've got to turn from your wicked ways, you need a new heart, you need, you need to get off of that stuff and start living for God. And, and you know, Ezekiel, as he prophesied and spoke to the people and said, listen, if you don't change, there's going to be some challenges, challenging times ahead of you. And it was like Ezekiel was saying this out of the heart and compassion and love from God to the people but this is really the people's response. It's like, Ezekiel, we want to do what you're saying, but we feel really powerless. Because every time we try, it seems like we just slip right back into what we've been doing. Can anybody relate with these people? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? You feel like you've almost gotten to victory, and you feel like you've just conquered a mountain all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, right back where you were. Sometimes even 10 years where you were 10 years ago. And it's like, what in the world am I doing back here? I thought I had the victory over that a long time ago. And these people, they really did want a new heart. They wanted to live for God, but they just felt so powerless. And so God says, Ezekiel, come here. I want to tell you something. And this is in chapter 36 of Ezekiel. God says, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wash my people from all their iniquities. I'm going to just wash it all away. And then I'm going to place my spirit on the inside of them, and they're going to be able to live out my commandments. And also, I'm going to place them into their promised land. I'm going to place them into a place of solid ground. In the Greek, it actually means like rock, solid foundation. Sound familiar? Jesus. And here he is prophesying many hundreds of years before Jesus comes, and he says, this is why 
I need to help you. Because the law was intended to help us come to the end of our senses. Because in, in the beginning, when the Israel was like, I want to live for God and I can do it. And God's like, um, okay, well, here's the Ten Commandments. And they couldn't do it. So God said, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to wash their iniquities away. But then I'm going to also place my spirit on the inside of them. And they're going to be able to live out the commandments of God. And I'm going to bring them into their promised land. In fact, Ezekiel in chapter 37, he said, I want you to see something, Ezekiel. And he says, and he brings them before all these dry bones. Dead, dry bones. And he says, God says to Ezekiel, these are my people who said, my hope is lost. In other words, we're not going to get to our promised land. It's useless. We try and we fall back. And God says to Ezekiel, do you believe that these dry, dead bones can live? And Ezekiel says back to God, Lord, you know. In other words, you can do anything. He says, Ezekiel, this has been the problem all along. When you keep saying live and they're dead, they aren't going to be able to fulfill my commandments. Have you ever been around somebody like that? It's like you're preaching, you're preaching, you're preaching, you're saying, repent, turn from your sins. And, you know, in the early stages, I think sometimes when people get saved, when they first give their life to the Lord, they're like, come on, live for God, change from your ways. Come on, follow me and Jesus. Let's go to the treasure tree. You know, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, and they're just right back there doing their old sins. Have you ever been to a church that's like dead bone church type of thing? Now, don't nudge your neighbor or anything. You know what I'm talking about? And this is what Ezekiel's been speaking to for years, telling them to live kind of thing, but they're not able to. So God says, now I want you to prophesy to these dead bones. And I want you, because here's what I'm going to do, is I'm going to cause those dead bones to come back to life again. I'm going to put flesh on their bones. I'm going to put skin on their flesh. And I'm going to place my spirit inside of them. And they're going to live out my commandments. I'm going to bring them into their promised land, into a solid ground, a solid foundation. That it's a rock that's unshakable. That when the storms of life come, it will not fall. Their house will not fall. I'm going to do this. Ezekiel, now prophesy, and Ezekiel begins to prophesy, and all of a sudden there's these rattling and shaking going on, and you know, bone connecting to bone, and all of a sudden you see it all come together, and, and Ezekiel, now he says, now, now I want you to speak life, I want you to, I'm going to breathe life into them, I'm going to give life into them, and they're going to come alive now, so all of a sudden life comes into them, and God moves them into their promised land. Now, the fulfillment of that is actually not happening until right now. In the natural, that physically in Israel, because he goes on to say, listen, this is the problem. Even the shepherds aren't even being shepherds. They're not going after my people. They're useless, basically. That even the shepherds are useless. But I am going to raise up one shepherd. And he's talking about David at that time. Raising up King David, but he was actually referring to the seed of David, Jesus Christ. And he's going to reign over my people forever and ever and ever. And he's going to bring them into their promised land. Leading up to Christmas now, here we are. And the fulfillment of that is now coming to fruition. That we have one shepherd, one overseer over the entire body of Christ. And his name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God who is with us who has come not just to forgive us of our sins, but to empower us 
to live out a victorious life. And the more aware of his presence we become. So God didn't just send his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. He did much more than that. Yes, he forgave us of our sins. But he said, listen, it's better, Jesus says, it's better for me to go so I can send you the Holy Spirit, the helper who will guide you into all truth. And he will help you to live out a victorious life. There's something that I want to say about the Holy Spirit right now. Because there's two things in the Bible that specifically the Bible says don't do. Number one, don't quench the Holy Spirit. And number two, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, quenching means don't stop the flow of the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to work in and through your life. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, that's a character thing. Like, don't grieve him. Don't keep acting the way that you used to. Don't keep doing the things that you used to. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Somebody might say, well, which one's more important? That's like asking a bird, which wing do you like better? We need to follow that. But here's the thing. When Jesus was water baptized, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended and came upon him like a dove. And when you have a dove in your life, let me use this one. This is white. And you've got a dove that comes and lands on your shoulder. Are you going to be more sensitive to every step that you make? Because you might scare that dove away kind of thing. I'm not saying you can scare the Holy Spirit away. But I am saying that you are going to become a lot more sensitive to what you're doing in every step of the way if you are being considerate and thoughtful and sensitive to the Holy Spirit who has come upon you. The more sensitive we are to the Holy Spirit, the less likely we are going to grieve him and quench him. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17, if you love me, keep my commandments. Wow, that's a high, high task. But he didn't stop right there, did he? He had something else to say. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. That word another means similar or comparable to Jesus. How many know that Jesus brought comfort when he was here on earth? And he brought guidance, and he brought deliverance, he brought victory, he brought health and healing, he brought all sorts of good things. And so comparable to Jesus, he said, I will give you another helper. And he will, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth for whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know, when I grew up, I grew up in a mainline denomination and we used to do what we called the Apostles' Creed and we would on a regular basis mention the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, I never really thought of three different personalities or three different persons uh, like the Trinity, I didn't really understand. I thought of him as one, which he is one, but I didn't think about the concept of what the Bible says, that God the Father and God the Son are in heaven. Jesus himself said, I am ascending to be with my Father. I'm going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. But the Holy Spirit is still here on earth. 
And the reason Jesus had to leave is because the Holy Spirit would come upon the kings, he would come upon the priests, he would come upon people, but he would not come and dwell in them until they were washed from all their iniquities, forgiven of all their sins. Because holiness does not dwell in wickedness or evil or in sin. And that's why Jesus had to first cleanse us from all of our iniquities so the Holy Spirit could come and dwell not just upon us but in us. And the more aware of his presence we become, the more sensitive we will be with the Holy Spirit's guidance in our life, the more we'll treasure his presence. And one of the first things I do every morning when I wake up is I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Because I want to acknowledge his presence is with me. God the Father, God the Son, according to God's word, are in heaven. And yes, there are times where Jesus still does manifest himself here on earth. We know that. Many testimonies. But for the most part, Jesus is there seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is here on earth dwelling among us. Emmanuel, God is with us and God is in us. So when I first gave my life to Jesus, I had given my life to the Lord at 21 years old, and I just thought, wow, I knew about God, but I didn't know him like now, and I want to know him like never before. I want to make up those 21 years of life that I had lived without God in my life, even though I acknowledged him, even though I acknowledged that Jesus died on the cross for me, I did not know him personally like I did at that moment when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And so I decided I'm going to make up for that. And I started studying Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts. And I started reading through all this stuff, but nothing was really making sense about the Holy Spirit quite yet. When I gave my life to the Lord, I had such a powerful encounter. And everybody's encounter is different. Everybody's experience is a little different than, you know, yours or mine. But I remember that day I could barely stand up, and I honestly just felt like electricity was going through my body. And I said to Amy afterwards, who had brought me to the church, and that's where I gave my life to the Lord, and, and I said, Amy, I, what was that? And she said, what was what? And she said, well, I said, I could barely stand up, and there was like, it felt like electricity going through my body. What was that? And she said, oh, she said, she smiles, she says, that's the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, I really, I fell in love with the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know the Holy Spirit that well yet. And I just, I got to know his voice a little bit better after I was passionately pursuing Jesus. Because how many know that we have the Holy Spirit when we acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord over our lives? Or we have a desire to become a better spouse or a better parent or a better Christian or a better Christ follower. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when we're bearing good fruit, we have the Holy Spirit with us. But I have never seen or heard about what I'm about to share with you. And I'm going to take you into a real deep part of why Christmas came in the first place. Not just for you to experience the forgiveness of your sins, but to empower you to live a victorious life through the help of the Holy Spirit. I remember I was driving home after work and I was working for the fastest growing mortgage company in the United States at the time. The pressure was tense, stressful. And I got in the truck, and I'm driving home that night, and it was just a stressful experience. And so I just right away started doing what I knew to do, and that was, Lord, thank you so much for the successes today. Thank you for the wins today. Thank you for this. Thank you for this divine appointment, this divine connection. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And I just started taking some time to be thankful. How many know that your attitude of gratitude determines your altitude in life? And I just started thanking him. And before I knew it, that Thanksgiving became my springboard 
to praise, a deeper level of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And I just began to worship then at that moment. I began to move from thanksgiving into praise where I was just glorifying God, saying, God, you are awesome. You are so amazing. I love you. You are so beautiful. You are so awesome. And I heard myself repeat myself. So I finally just said, Lord, my heart is bigger than my vocabulary. I wish I could express more of what's inside of me because I love you so much and I just want to tell you more of what's inside of me, but my vocabulary is not big enough for my heart. And I heard the word of the Lord at that moment, not out loud, not audible, but I heard the Spirit of God say these words, do you want help? And I just, yeah. I didn't know what that meant. I had no idea what that meant. I just knew him well enough to know that I could trust him. And when I said yes, all of a sudden I felt like I was being forgiven of my sins all over again. It was a powerful, another powerful encounter. I literally felt like a cup being filled up with warm water that was so soothing, so refreshing. I felt so holy. I felt so accepted. I felt so forgiven. I felt so redeemed. I felt so loved. I felt so strong. And I just sensed the presence of God coming inside of me. I I felt I went to a whole new level of submission and, and just giving him complete control like I had never given control to him before. In fact, I felt like I could just take my hands off the steering wheel, but I knew I shouldn't tempt the Lord. So I kept my hands on the steering wheel, but it was a powerful encounter. And when I had this experience, all of a sudden, on the inside of me, not out here, not up here, but I sensed these words that I had never heard in my life coming up in my spirit. And I just thought, what, what are those words? And the Lord said these words to me. He said, now speak those words out. It sounded like a foreign language. So I, I started speaking these words out that were just coming up out of my spirit. I just kept saying them. And the more I said these words, the stronger I felt, the stronger I became, the more holy, more accepted, the more forgiven, the more healed, the more redeemed I felt. I just experienced such a powerful encounter. And I just prayed in the spirit all the way home that night, probably for another 45 minutes. And I could start and I could stop anytime. I wanted, and I didn't understand what was happening. I just knew I was having an encounter with God. How many came for an encounter with Jesus today? Then you shall get it. You know, I uh, got home that night, and I honestly didn't know what happened to me. I'd never heard of this experience before. I grew up, as, a, as I mentioned, in a mainline denomination. Never heard about this in my life. Didn't know what it was. And even if I had read it, I didn't get it. It wasn't making any sense to me. So I call up the only person I know who's a Christian at that time that really understood some of these things. That was Amy. She was going, I think, to Winona State at the time. And so I called her up and I said, Amy, I don't know what happened to me. I just know I had an amazing encounter with Jesus tonight. And I, here's what happened. And she just, you could hear her like smiling, smiling from ear to ear on the other side of the receiver. And she says, Sean, that's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's so cool. And she started taking me through the book of Acts and through the scriptures and explaining to me from the Bible exactly what had happened to me, just like on the day of Pentecost. And she said, I want that too. She said, would you pray for me? I want that too. And I said, yeah. So I prayed for her next time I saw her, and she got that. And she's had it ever since. And we can pray in the Spirit when we want. We, we can pray with understanding when we want. We can, we can pray in this unknown language, you could say, whenever we want. And it's amazing. I'm telling you, one time someone asked Oral Roberts sarcastically, he said, so are you saying you can turn the Holy Spirit on and off whenever you want? He said, no, that's not what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit is always on. It's me that turns me on and off. The Holy Spirit is always on. And he's here to help us. 
to strengthen us, to pray through us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. That word help means, in the Greek, it means to take hold against our infirmities. One translation says, helps us where we are weak. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He prays out the perfect will of God. It doesn't mean that you aren't going to know the will of God. You can know the will of God by revealing the word of God to yourself. Taking time to let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. You can know the will of God by reading the Bible. But there are times where you're not going to know how to pray. Like, is this job from you, God? Should I marry this person? How many kids should I have, God? Hey, is it okay, God, if I move up to this state and start this company or this business? There are going to be times where you aren't going to have it clearly painted in the Bible but the Holy Spirit will reveal the perfect will of God. And the more you pray in the Spirit, the more you can tap into the plan of God. Praise is when we're praising the outcome of God. When we're praising, we're praying the scriptures out. We're praising the scriptures out. We're declaring the victory. We're declaring the outcome of what we ultimately want to see. But when we pray in the Spirit, what we do is we get the plan to the vision. Because God always gives us a vision, but he also gives us a plan to get to that vision, that outcome. And let me say this, church, sometimes people are kind of just like, I'm not so sure about that praying in the spirit thing. You know, I went to a church one time, and, and those people were crazy, wild-eyed. They were weird. They were strange. They were jumping pews, hanging on the chandeliers. They were waving these flags, and I didn't know what they were doing, speaking in these crazy languages. I thought that was crazy. But let me say this. If the people were weird then, before they got the Holy Spirit, they were weird then too. You don't have to be weird getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If anything, you're going to become more like Jesus when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that's what he's here for is to help us to become more like Jesus. Jesus said, it's better for me to go. And then he said, now guys, listen, this is going to be important. Now you go and cast out demons. Now you go and lay hands on the sick. Now you go and raise up the dead. Now you go and do those things and pray in tongues. You do those things all how? By the helper of the Holy Spirit who Ezekiel saw was going to happen one day years prior to the Jesus that we now know who came, who forgave us of all of our iniquities and has now gave us his Holy Spirit who has come to dwell in us to fulfill that prophecy that had happened years ago so we could live out the commandments and be taken into our promised land, the good land, the solid foundation. But it will require the baptism of the Holy Spirit praying in other tongues to know how to get into the perfect plan the will of God. It is an empowerment to empower you to live a victorious life. And for years, the church has shied away from it because they haven't understood it. And so they called it the dark ages for years. Did you know that? Oh, people were getting saved all throughout hundreds of years. But all of a sudden, there was a move of the Holy Spirit, and people got filled with the Holy Spirit. And there was two main nine denominations. It was the Methodists and the Baptists. They received the Baptists and the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues, just like in the book of Acts. But eventually, through the process of it, some of them started acting really weird, trying to conjure up the Holy Spirit to do things. And they would do weird things like barking and all sorts of strange things. 
So the Baptists and the Methodists said, no more. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want any of this going on. Even though there are signs, wonders, and miracles taking place, they got scared of the Holy Spirit and said, we're going to preach Jesus, but we're not going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And so for hundreds of years now, the Baptists and the Methodists have shut down the Baptists and the Holy Spirit and said, we're not going to talk about that because we don't understand it. Now, thankfully, some of the Methodists and some of the Baptist churches have now started experiencing it again. And just like a lot of other mainline denominations who are not quenching the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, especially in these perilous times, dangerous times. We've got to know. Listen, church, I want you to understand something. The reason why I have not had and experienced COVID is because it's not going to happen to me. Do you want to know why it's not going to happen to me and why it's impossible to touch me? It's not because I'm so strong. It's because I understand my covenant that the inn is full. I am so full of the Holy Ghost that there's no room for sickness and disease and cancer and anything else in my body. And just like even a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand in my right hand, it will not come near me. And I can tell you right now, church, I will not get COVID. Because I understand that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And yet the church is cowering back, afraid of COVID. Perilous times will come. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. But are you aware of the greater one that's living on the inside of you? Are you aware of the power of healing that's flowing through you? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that raised Lazarus from the dead and many others. That same power is residing on the inside of you. When you receive Jesus, the challenge is most people are not taking time to be aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so the church has shunned away from talking about the Holy Spirit and has had great teaching, but not the part where the Holy Spirit is needed. He needs to bring fuller understanding to God's people so they can be empowered to live out a victorious life. Because the things that you used to deal with, you shouldn't have to be dealing with 10, 20 years later. When you say, Holy Spirit, I don't like this that's going on in my life. And I want it dead. I'm telling you, when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, he will kill that thing. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we'll be just like the people saying, I want to live for God, but I feel powerless. Well, of course you're going to feel powerless without the power of the Holy Spirit, without acknowledging his amazing presence. Do we know the power of the Holy Spirit? Do we know our covenant of promises? We shouldn't be strangers, as the Apostle Paul said. And this is not to condemn anybody or shame anybody who's experienced it. Let me tell you, I get testimonies on a regular basis. Like, say, I was around some people, they tested positive, and I need to go, and I need to be checked out. This happened this, this, this week. And I said, listen, it's not going to happen to you. I'm texting this. It's impossible. You're redeemed from the curse. Psalm 91 is over you. You're not going to test positive. And I got a text the next day or so on from Julio and his family saying, it's negative, Pastor. It's a miracle. I've had other text messages coming in and saying, I tested positive. Pastor, what do I do? And I said, listen, I will text you tomorrow, but it won't remain. I called or text the next day, and I've asked people in this congregation, what are you experiencing? Nothing. I have no symptoms. 
Listen, when we come together as a corporate body and when we set our faith in agreement, there is a power that strengthens the rest of the body of Christ. And that's why the church shouldn't be cowering away. We shouldn't be shutting the doors in the church. This is The reason why the churches have not been shut down is because it's been proven that the COVID has not been getting into the churches. Come on, that's a miracle, church. That's a miracle. It's not coming to High Point Church. It cannot come into the High Point Church people. And if I find out about it, I'm telling you, this shepherd right here is going to be overly protective over you. And I'm going to set my faith in agreement. And I'm going to chase that devil away from you as fast as you blink your eyes. Because I love you and I care for you. And if I do, how much more does the overseer of your soul care about you? We need to know when you're going through difficult times so we can set our faith in agreement with you. The shepherd's rod and staff is not to beat you, but to beat the wolf off. Praying in the Spirit is the gatekeeper to our miracles. A mentor of ours, Kenneth, many years ago had had this impression to really pray for his friend. He was in fourth stage cancer, about to die, just skin and bones left. And what cancer he had in his body that had been eating away the flesh, it looked bad. And he had this impression to go pray for him. So he went into the room and he just prayed with his friend. He just prayed in the spirit. And he kept praying in the spirit and kept praying in the spirit. And he kept praying in the spirit and he kept praying in the spirit until he had a release and he started singing in the spirit and joy came over him. How many know what I'm talking about? That there are times in our lives where we intercede and we're praying and interceding for somebody, but all of a sudden the burden lifts and it's like victory. And he knew the victory had occurred. The next day, the doctors came into the room, examined him, and there wasn't an ounce of cancer left in his body. And the skin that had deteriorated from the cancer was like baby skin, the doctor said. It's a miracle. This hasn't happened just once or twice. This is going to keep happening in the latter days of the church. We as a church need to grow stronger and more courageous in the way that we're going to do it. In the book of Acts, they were always constantly familiar with the Holy Spirit. Go up here, don't go up here. Minister to these people, don't minister to these people. They were so aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We as a church need to be the same way. We need to know when to go, where to go, and with whom to be speaking to at all times. We need to be so aware of, is the Holy Spirit in this or is he not? Because he will be grieved if it's a situation. You'll sense when the Holy Spirit, as you develop your friendship with him, you will sense when he's grieved. You'll sense when he's quenched. You'll sense the Spirit of God saying, I'm not able to release my power here. There's just too much unbelief. There's too much doubt, whatever it is. And God will say, now come over here and minister to these people. These people will receive me. Listen, church, this is a time to wake up. Wake up in these last days. Not to be slumbering, not to be sleeping, but to be alert, to be awake of the great awakening of the Holy Spirit that's coming upon the church in greater ways that we are going to finish the latter days of the church better than the former days. In Jude chapter 1 verse 20 it says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Now, the more you pray in the Spirit, the more you're going to be able to strengthen others. It goes on to say, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Smith Wigglesworth was once asked, who was known for doing great signs, wonders, and demonstrations of the Spirit. Cancers, people that were dead, medically documented. Over 21 people raised from the dead that were medically documented dead. 
and many other miracle signs and wonders. And someone asked him one time and said, Smith, what, is the, what do you attribute the success of your ministry to? And he said, I pray in the Spirit for two to three hours before I go and edify the church, before I go and edify the people. How much are we relying upon the Spirit of God? People said at times Smith Wigglesworth would be just sitting down at the train station and people just walking by would fall to the knees and begin to repent without him even saying a word. Charles Finley, same thing. He walked into a factory. He just stood there and people all over the factory began to fall out and cry out for mercy and repented of their sins without them saying a word. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit replaces the word of God, but when the Holy Spirit is acknowledged and valued in the lives of God's people, his presence can do more for you than you could preach a thousand sermons. It's his presence, it's his word combined together that transforms lives. Let us become aware of his presence. What would happen if we prayed even just 20 or 30 minutes or an hour a day in the spirit of God? What could happen to us, church? What could happen to us? I remember a number of years ago, I had been praying 20 or 30 minutes in the spirit already. And uh, after I received this and this experience, and I started praying 20, 30 minutes a day. And all of a sudden, the Lord started dealing with me and asked me to start praying in the spirit more. So I had to drive downtown to Minneapolis uh, pretty much almost every day, and I lived in White Bear Lake, so it was about a 40, 45-minute drive. So I started praying in the Spirit all the way there and all the way back from college, and, and uh, several weeks went by like this, and I was practicing, yielding to the Spirit, practicing, listening, acknowledging the Holy Spirit working within me. And I, the more I practiced it, it seemed like the more I was yielding to the Holy Spirit, and I was seeing more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And it was one day I was walking out of college, I was heading out to my car, and, and somebody was walking in. Somebody I hadn't seen for like six months or more. And he was walking in, and I was walking out. And this friend of mine, he was in the psychology department. I was in the pastoral department. And I was about to cross paths with him. So I opened my mouth to greet him, to say, hey, Ben, how are you? It's been a long time. It's great to see you kind of thing. But instead, out of my mouth, shoot these words. There's an angel by your side. And I kept walking, and he kept walking. My eyes got real big, and I was like, I can't believe I just said that. He's going to think I'm crazy. He's going to think I'm one of those wild-eyed preachers or whatever, you know. He's going to think, what, a fruitcake? And I heard the Spirit of God say, I had a reason to tell him that. I said, okay. So I rolled the care over it of looking foolish. Next day, I'm sitting in the car studying for classes, and it was pouring rain. It was downpouring. And all of a sudden, somebody's knocking on my window. I'm like, who in the world is knocking on my window? And I look up at it, and there it's Ben. And I was concerned about what he was going to say, you know, how guys can kind of one-up each other in the locker rooms and sarcasm and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, man, here it comes. So I opened the door and I'm like, yeah. He said, why did you say that to me yesterday? And I said, I don't know. It just kind of came out of me. And he said, that's amazing. For the last month, I have been reading, searching the scriptures and asking God, are there really angels by our side? One word from God can change you and your family forever. Years went by and somebody came to us and Amy had, at that time, because of studying in college and high school, she would sit on her bed and she would study looking down at her, you know, at her, at her studies and she would study like this on a regular basis and what happened is that her neck actually went out like this instead of in, it went out because of doing this so often. And a friend of ours one day was praying over us and he said, uh, do you go to the chiropractor? And she said, yeah, I do. She, he said, well, what I'm seeing is that if your husband will start praying over you, praying in the spirit over you, and praying over your neck, God wants to heal your neck. So I just right away took that word to heart, and I started praying in the spirit. We bonded. It was amazing, church. 
It was amazing marriage material. This will change your marriage forever. I'm praying in the Spirit, praying over her neck, and we're praying over each other's heads, giving each other head massages, praying in the Spirit over her back, over her neck, giving her foot rubs, praying in the Spirit. I'm telling you, it's a major marriage enhancer. It will strengthen your relationships. Doing this for your kids. The Lord has instructed us to do this for our kids now. To just give him head rubs, massages, and praying over them, praying in the Spirit quietly. If he's, my son's reading a book to me, I'll just put my hand on his back and pray real quietly in the Spirit and pray over him. I'm telling you, it's a major bonding in relationships. It'll change your marriages, your families. So Amy and I, we're praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, uh, several, I don't know if it's months or whatever, weeks later, she goes into the chiropractor, he takes x-rays, and the neck had actually gone back the other way. God's a miracle working God and praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit is a gatekeeper to your miracles, church. We will see. Kenneth Hagin said these words years ago. He said, the more I pray in the Spirit, the more signs, wonders, and miracles I see in the ministry. The Apostle Paul said, I pray in the Spirit more than you all. And the Corinthians were crazy about praying in the Spirit. They were praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues on a regular basis. The Apostle Paul had to set up order and say, listen, we got to have order here. Because y'all are wanting to pray in tongues. And we, we got we to have order. But listen, he says this word to them. He said, I pray in the Spirit more than you all. He had to live in Texas for a little while himself, I think, didn't he? But really... What he was saying, the reason is, and I'm not boasting in myself, I'm boasting in the Spirit of God. The reason why you're seeing so many signs, wonders, and miracles in my life is because I pray in the Spirit often. I pray in the Spirit more than all of you combined. The more we pray in the Spirit, the more we pray in other tongues, we can pray with understanding, church. You can. This doesn't have to be strange and foreign language and you don't understand it. You can pray with understanding, the Bible says. I won't go into this much because of the time right now today. But listen, this is what the Scripture has to say. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, it says, For he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men but to God, but for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. That word, speaks mysteries, is actually another word translated translated to divine secrets. God knows what you need to have prayed out to fulfill the vision that he's placed in your heart. It'll save you a lot of time. There's this man named Harry and his wife. They bought a brand new camper and they were at an RV camp and they could not. It was downpouring. They had hooked up to the electricity, everything, and it was all hooked up, but they couldn't get the lights turned on. And she's sitting in their car. She's praying. She's keeping dry as he's got people around trying to figure out what's going on with the electricity, what's going on. And she keeps getting this word, light bulbs. So she finally rolls down the window and says, Harry, come here. As I've been praying in the spirit, I keep having the thought light bulbs. And he says, that's electrical something. This is a brand new camper. And she said, I know, I know you've been checking, but this just keeps coming up in my spirit, light bulbs as I pray in the spirit. And he said, okay. So he goes into the camper and he takes off the cover. There wasn't one light bulb in the camper. It'll save you so much time, church. The spirit of God knows divine secrets. He knows the hidden treasures of this earth. He knows what you need to do. And the more you pray in the spirit, did you know the first satellite that was ever orbited was put up by a couple of believers who were born again, spirit-filled believers who prayed in the spirit until they figured out how to put it in space. And now the rest of the world has followed. But they prayed in the spirit until they got revelation of how to get that thing to stay there in one place. 
In John chapter 16, verse 13 through 15, this is what, God, what, this is what Jesus says. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. I love what uh, the Lord said to Brother Hagin many years ago. This is way before prosperity was ever accepted into the body of Christ. It was kind of like healing when it first came out. Moral Roberts was heavily persecuted, shot at, tried to be killed, murdered for preaching healing to the church. Well, when prosperity started coming out, that wasn't received well, and it still isn't received real well across the globe. But this is, this is way before that time the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin. He said, if you learn to be led by my Holy Spirit, I'll make you very rich. And Brother Hagin was like, what? I didn't know you could be a Christian and be rich. And the Lord said, I'm not opposed to my people being rich. What I'm opposed to is my people being covetous. God wants to prosper, and he wants every one of his children to win in life and to live a victorious life. He's not like, hey, you know what? My son Gary and my son Lynn, I like those guys. I'm going to prosper them. I'm going to help them win. But I'm not so sure about my son Darwin. I'm not sure if I really want him to win in life. God is no respecter of persons. What he's done in Gary's life, what he's done in Lynn's life, he's going to do in Darwin's life, and he's going to do in your life. He wants all of his children to be winners in every area of life. That's right. Acts chapter 1 reveals to us how we're going to do this. You shall receive, in verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. If you haven't been witnessing to people lately, if you haven't been sharing your faith with people lately, it's because you haven't been relying upon the power that's on the inside of you. That word power is the same word in, in the Greek. It's the word dunamis, which is the same word in English as dynamite. There's literally dynamite, dunamis power residing on the inside of us, and most people have no clue how powerful they are in Christ. That you can do all things through Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing that strengthens you. So you should never say, I'm such a failure, I'm never going to make it, I'll never overcome this. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. This same word power is used in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, when it said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, but with the Holy Spirit and with power, say with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, Emmanuel. God is with you. And he has put his dunamis, dynamite power on the inside of you so you can live a victorious life. No addiction can overcome the power of the Holy Ghost that's living on the inside of you. If you want that thing dead, you say, Holy Spirit, stick him. Kill that thing. And the Holy Spirit will go to work when you yield yourself to him. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power, say power, working in us. That power is residing on the inside of us, and the more aware we are of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want? What are you saying to me? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to speak to you? Turn me loose, Holy Ghost. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And the more aware you are of his presence, the more effective you will become in your life here on earth. If you receive this, will you say amen? amen. I'll close with one more story. Many years ago, Amy and I were on our way out to, uh, just before we left, to go out to the park to take a walk around a trail. 
We had a strong impression to pray in the Spirit. We didn't know why, so we humbled ourselves and got on our knees, and we began to pray in the Spirit before we left our house to go to the park. Our goal was just to go talk about vision, talk about the future, talk about how we can enhance our marriage, that kind of good stuff, you know? Nothing wrong with that, but we had a strong impression. Stop, pray. So we started praying in the Spirit because we really didn't know how to pray. So we started praying in the Spirit, and I said, you know, Amy, I'm just getting this feeling that we're praying for somebody's salvation. We're praying right now that we're praying for somebody's salvation. And the moment I said that, all of a sudden I had an open vision. Even though my eyes were closed, I could see three teenage boys, about 15, 16 years old, just like I can see you in front of me today. And I said, Amy, I see them. It's three teenage boys. We're praying in the Spirit for these three teenage boys for their salvations. God wants to reach these people. He loves them. So we kept praying in the Spirit, and I'm telling you, it was one of those moments of intercessory prayer that was so fulfilling, so satisfying, knowing that we were putting the kingdom of God first, not our own plans. We were putting the kingdom of God first place. And after a little while, we had this release, this okay, like this feeling like we could just start singing in the Spirit. We could start, and again, you can do this when you're praying over your spouse, praying over your children. You can sing in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit when you're praying. But this, we just had that feeling of just, okay, it's good. You can move on. So we finished out. We had this positive feeling, this lightness that came over us. And then we got into our car. We drive over to the park, and we're about to get on the trail. And when we about to walk onto the trail, these three teenage boys that we had never seen in our life until just a few minutes beforehand, praying in the Spirit. I said, Amy, those are the three boys. And they were walking right towards us off the trail as we were going onto the trail. So we stopped and interacted with them just for a few minutes, started witnessing to them, and asked them questions like, do you live in the area? And they're like, yeah, we do. Do you have any good churches in the area that you guys go to? Like, no, we don't go to church, but my grandma's been asking me for a long time to go to church. And yeah, my grandma, she gave me a Bible recently. I've been sleeping with it underneath my pillow. And then the other one's like, yeah, I got, somebody just gave me a Bible too. And I started reading this book, uh, this this chapter in it that's like called Revelation or something like that, man, that thing scared the wits out of me. And, uh, and then the other one's like, yeah, somebody's just, you know, and so all three of them were like, yeah, you know, we don't go to church, but people have been telling us that we should go to church. And I said, hey, you know what? I'm not here to judge you. I don't know you, but I just, I've been sent here to tell you how much Jesus loves you. We've been praying for you before we met you. And I said, God wants you to know that he loves you and that he forgives you of all of your sins. Would you let me pray with you? Amy and I, we'd love to pray with you right now to receive that gift for you right now, to receive that forgiveness of sins, that free gift that Jesus gave. And they took our hands and we started praying them in a prayer that was just like what we pray every Sunday morning. They gloriously gave their lives to Jesus. You could see the light when they turned, their, their eyelids opened up again. You could see the light in their eyes. It was a glorious thing. You could tell they felt so good at what just happened, that the weight of the world, the weight of the sins were washed away, and they were forgiven and redeemed. And I said, do me a great big favor. Would you go home and tell your grandma, go and tell your such and such that you received Jesus today and go to church with them this Sunday? They all said, we'd do that. But let me say, we experience that because we allow for the Holy Spirit to keep flowing through us. Don't quench the Spirit and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we ignore the Holy Spirit or we quench the Holy Spirit, we can grieve Him and we can take away from the power that He's wanting to release in our lives. And you can have this experience in your life, every single one of you, and you can be empowered to live a victorious life through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit who he has sent to you. Do you receive this today? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, thank you so much for the power of your Holy Spirit that's been sent here 
right now. We acknowledge your presence this morning and we say thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word and thank you for the demonstration of your word today. With every head bowed and every eye closed first, have you ever made the decision to receive Jesus Christ? Do you know him? Not just know about him, but do you know him today? If you're not certain today, if you'd go to heaven and you're just like, well, I'm not real sure if I'm going to heaven. I hope I do. Well, today we can seal that. The Bible says today is your day for salvation. Maybe you've accepted Christ at one point in your life, but deep down in your heart, you're saying, Pastor, I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. I haven't been living for him the way that I could or should, and today I want to get back on course with God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, those that are watching online today, if you need to make that decision, whether it's a first-time decision or you want to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus, if that's you, would you be bold enough and brave enough to slip up your hands all over this auditorium right now? Just raise them high. Raise them high. Thank you so much. I know it takes a lot of courage and boldness to do this. Thank you so much. I see your hands. Any others who are saying, Pastor, pray for me to you. I want to receive Jesus Christ or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Okay, great. Wonderful. Anyone else? Thank you so much. I see your hand. Great, let's do this. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're watching online today, you're here in person, we're gonna pray a prayer with you. We're gonna call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're gonna do it together with you to be an encouragement. We're gonna pray this prayer and God's gonna do a miracle in your life. So I'm gonna ask each and every one of you right now, if you are making that decision, praying this prayer is going to be powerful and you're gonna receive your miracle and we're gonna join you as you pray this prayer out loud. Would you follow me in this prayer? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever.